Hey Worms, the Anti-Gamers Book Club is back, and this time we have a very special and beloved member of the AG crew joining us, which is Miyanaki and my good friend David Distray Estrella, to revisit one of the most famous and beloved light novel franchises of all time. Yes, that's right, it is Slayers Volume 2 with Anti-Gamers own Pat. How you doing, Pat? Hey, I'm back. I'm doing good. Happy to talk about Slayers again, always. Has it been two years, three years? How many years has it been since we last talked about Slayers? It has been a number of years. Doesn't time go past just horribly quickly? Isn't it just horrifying? Don't you just live in horror of time's inexorable march? I do. I'm, I'm pretty done with time. I've done it for a while now, and I think it's time to try something new. Anyway, Slayers, Volume 2, The Further Adventures of Lena Inverse, the Insecure Swordswoman, and the beautiful and somewhat <laughs> somewhat stupid Gowrie. Let's not waste any time. Gentlemen. So this Volume 2, this Volume 2, um... I had completely forgotten almost everything about this series. Fortunately, this is one of those light novels where you can just pick it right up from volume two and not really miss out on too much. Yeah, you mostly just need to know, remember who Lena and Gowrie are in volume two. Yeah, like Lena's famous enough that I think I got I got my bearings within like the first five to ten pages. It starts out with a barroom brawl, which of course yeah. that's like that's a good place to start any story. Gory, I was a little bit unsure of what his deal was, but then like we've we've seen a character like that appear all the time in anime and manga, so I was like, Oh, okay, I know. I know what his what his shtick is gonna be. So volume two. From what I remember from volume one, volume one felt like a little bit I don't know, like there was just a lot going on, but it was maybe not with like, I didn't really feel like with the intention of being it like a just a big old saga, it felt like volume one was like, okay, nice, that's that's cool. And then volume two sort of picks up on that, but I think that all the going ons are a little bit more sophisticated as well. Like there's a lot going on in this one too, but I think in yeah. a different uh, way of things going on. Yeah, it feels like moving parts that are actually connected to each other in this one. Yeah, yeah. Volume one was maybe a little bit sloppy, but I think that's just because okay, we're starting out a new series and we're figuring out who these characters are, and they do figure they like the writer figures out Lena and, and Gory pretty pretty quickly. But I think like the notion of a plot was maybe not the most important thing. The most important thing, of course, is antics, comedy, witty barbs being exchanged between characters. And volume two is, I think it eases up a little bit on the comedy. It actually felt more like 80% action. It's very action heavy and it's very much the template that light novels that were to come would follow, I feel. Pat, you already read through the Slayers novels and you revisited um you revisited it for this podcast that we do. Yeah. How did you find going back to volume two after however long it's been? Well, my immediate thing is I kind of completely forgot about the events of volume two, because volume one and then volume three are, have pretty major events in them, and volume two is kind of a lot of setup for that new bigger world post volume one kind of just being haphazard but like i like that's i like the story in it a lot yeah you're right it gets a little more it's a little more serious like it start it switches the the comedy becomes much more of like a like a way to like ease tension 
I think like Gowry starts to come more into. He comes con- into sharper like, cons- focus as a character in this one. Yeah, he becomes into sharper focus, and he also like the shtick for his character as a comedic relief kind of starts to fall fall better into place at this point. You know, primarily just with how stupid he is. Um, and I I like that stuff a lot. Yeah. I like his character a lot so that's really likable to me gary and lena playing off each other is kind of the the beating heart of like slayers and the thing that has made it so popular and made people love it for so long and you get a lot of that in this one yeah there's not like a crowded cast it's a lot of just the two of them kind of trying to uh figure out what the heck's going on yeah i think the crowding of the cast happens with everybody else that they meet so Lena and Gory aren't on, like, they're just traveling, right? They hit up this place, Atlas City. Because the important thing is, Gowry is Lena's bodyguard, more or less. Or her, uh, almost like her, um, chaperone. Like, self-appointed chaperone. A guardian. Her legal parental yeah, her, guardian. <laughs> yeah, her legal parental guardian, where they're, like, two years apart in age, I think. But, like, he's decided she's small, so I need to protect her. If they were playing Dungeons & Dragons... His friend chose the sorceress, so he has to be the sword fighter. He has to be the melee character that supports her. Balance. And this novel has the classic RPG plotline of... The characters get drawn into this conflict in this city that they're not really a part of, and all of these characters have motivations beyond what they're saying and doing, and... Uh, so Gary and, yeah, and Gary and Lena have to kind of navigate that and figure out what's actually going on. Why are the parties in this city fighting one another and what are they fighting over and why the fuck are we involved in it? <laughs> yeah, it almost seemed like it was going to be cut and dry. And then as I kept on reading, I was like, well, okay, so who's actually pulling the strings over here? And I think that might have even just been the title of one of the chapters where you do, in fact, find out who is pulling the strings. Maybe this is like where I would have like a criticism where it just it seems a little bit overstuffed with twists and turns. Since like I think a lot of the book, especially in like the early half, is just setting up for a twist, or maybe it's like, oh, you know, we stumbled into yet another red herring. Like, okay, so I guess we're just gonna keep on plowing through all this stuff to see what like the actual truth is. And then like the truth does it hits you. I think that the, it's properly set up, but it does hit you pretty late into the story. I think that might have to do with how it was published, if I'm remembering correctly, and Pat can probably steer me right on this, but it was published in like a tabletop RPG magazine, one chapter at a time, something along those lines. So they needed to keep the audience coming back from month to month or week to week or however often it was published and that's why you have all of these swerves and all of these reveals that kind of crescendo one after another is when it was collated in light novel form it was this thing that had been published serially you know like a charles dickens novel or something yeah that's actually what i was thinking where i think like the hook is supposed to be like okay i'm picking up this story now now i gotta like pick up the other four uh, editions of of this magazine yeah, it's all serialized monthly. You just keep buying the there's a Dragon magazine over and over again, so you can keep reading. Gotta find out what's happening, and especially like because the chapters themselves aren't super long, they do need to have a lot going on in them, so that you do have something to think about once 
uh, it's done. But I can't even imagine taking like a month long break between the chapters. Oh, okay. So I guess um, who I originally thought was going to be the evil mastermind is not the evil mastermind. Guess I'll just wait a whole month. Okay. Yeah. And it's a lot of like, well, okay, so build up, build up, build up. And then like all the, all the, uh, the reveal has to come immediately before the final fight. Mm. The last chapter is just the final battle, basically. Yeah, I was wondering why it just it felt sometimes like things would suddenly happen or trail off and then like, okay, I'll just I'll find out what happens, you know, once I start reading the next chapter. So of course, having everything read it like immediately available in front of me, it did feel like a bit like there's like a staccato rhythm to it. It's like, oh. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Okay. Let's let's uh, let's let's go. Let's go. Let's 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 figure out what's going on in here. I mean, I, we're making it out to maybe seem like very twisty and complicated, but it honestly just does feel like um, maybe like a mini arc in like a TV series or something. Like it could probably be condensed into like two episodes. It's got a relatively small cast of new characters they're following around, right? So like. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard to follow at any point, and they just kind of blast through this, like, mystery with all these weirdos. I'm actually trying to remember uh, if this was even adapted. First, like, we got... Okay, so, it's like, for the first thing that I... Like, the first event was the bar brawl where they meet Lance, and Lance is, like, kind of this dickhead swordsman guy, like a big brawny sort of guy cops a feel on lena and lena doesn't like that at all so this is where everything uh starts to pop off and then they're interrupted by rod who's like kind of like this sort of mysterious uh shady looking swordsman and he looks like he he looks yeah, he just like gives off that aura right like oh he's so good at the sword and like i think it's even gory who picks up on this first like gory who's sort of sort of dumb sort of sort of like doesn't Almost, it almost feels like he is intentionally not following along with like the sequence of events. But then I think he is like the one who's like, "Wait, this guy's this guy's serious." What ends up happening is I think Lena and Gori are more or less forced into an introduction with this guy Talim the Purple, who is part of this council of sorcerers in Atlas City. What it seems to be happening is he is vying for a position that has opened up, but he has some competition. He has some competition with Damia. When I forget if Damia has a has a color, because apparently every sorcerer who is like he's you know, blue. Yeah. Okay. Damia the blue. Okay. So any yeah, like any sorcerer who's like you know anybody has like a color assigned to them, and that was like one of my favorite gags I think in here where Lena's all like, oh yeah, I have a color too, but it's pink, so. I never bring it up. Uh, <laughs> so they they are vying for it's like a bit of a power struggle. There's assassins and things like you know it, it just it seems pretty dangerous. So what ends up happening is okay. So Lena and Gory have to play bodyguards for a little bit for Talon, but then there are demons involved, and so this is I think where things are feel like they're getting like a little bit more complicated than they seem it's just like every 10 pages or so a new major character seems to show up like we had lance we had rod who keep on showing up later we have talim the purple who is a gourmand i would i would say i'd describe him as but he also likes to smoke cigars while he eats which leads to like some really weird art where he's like 
feasting on like some manga meat while yeah. also smoking like the, the big old big old stogie <laughs> and then we meet like we meet like a couple of demons we don't even just meet like one critical demon and this is going to be important later we meet two demons we meet seagram the faceless and geo gaia okay so this is more for alina to have somebody to bounce off of because they're they're sorcerers right they have like oh, all this like evil dark magic gory is busy with like dealing with either like rod who's trying to enter into like some sort of honorable duel to the death with him uh and also all these weird creatures like homunculi and wolves with spikes coming out of their back i feel like i'm losing maybe a little bit of the plot but it's all i i swear it all does come together i think the real big twist happens when lena and gory decide okay let's just sneak into damia's place and figure out you know what the hell is going on and i think this is part of also like the end of a chase sequence so we really are just watching characters run from major point to major point so when we get to damia's it's oddly quiet and the mood the mood seems off right there's like there's a surprising amount of, there's a surprising use of atmosphere i think starting from this point on right damia uh despite all the talk it doesn't really seem to have it all together it seems like a, a little bit little little bit off just laughing you know just like having having a grand old time sitting in a, in his really dark and creepy abode of course lena and gory fall into a trap and it's like a just like a classic old like pitfall right it's like they're in like that big like important room damia i guess like just doesn't even really have to do anything just lena, lena and gory just do not they don't perceive of a, any potential trap particularly one as classic as just like the old pitfall so they fall and this is where they discover this apparently missing deceased something member of this council house of form i think house of form the white right yeah and he's the house actual the leader of the council yeah so so the whole presumed conflict is these two is talim and damia fighting to take house of form's place at the top of the council mm-hmm and this is where things seem like they don't make sense for Lena because she was under the assumption that Talum and Damio were competing against each other. And it really, it it did seem like that at first. And Talum is maybe not entirely forthcoming with all the information. Like they didn't even really explain what it was that House of Worm was studying because apparently every member of this council has like their own special project, I suppose, to like advance, you know, human knowledge, magical studies, that sort of thing. They were uh, a bit hesitant, I think, to describe what it was that House of Worm was was doing. When Lena meets House of Worm, it just seems like kind of like the, you know, like this, oh... You know, you're just like a very well-spoken guy who doesn't seem like, you know, he is worth all the fuss. Like, okay, we'll just let him go. And that's basically it. And then the story takes another turn after this. It is very much ideas that you and your gaming group can take and run with. It's very much the kind of thing that would be published in a gaming magazine. And the interesting thing is that Dungeons and Dragons has never been very popular in Japan. It hasn't had a particularly 
wide reach. Slayers, in fact, is probably way more popular than stuff like Dungeons and Dragons has ever been. But Pat, you and I were talking recently about the game Wizardry, which is not very well known outside of Japan, but incredibly, incredibly influential in Japanese gaming, even though it's an it's it it is an American game, right? It's yeah, like a it's like a Western RPG. The first time I ever heard about Wizardry, it was from Japanese sources. It's it's really popular and really important to the development of games in Japan, and not very well known outside of that. Did Japan get some of like their own Wizardry games like that never came out of Japan? Yeah, yeah. there's more in Japan than than we ever got because Wizardry is like biggest like claim to fame is kind of just because it was really early like western wise it's just like a, it's just like a really early D clone pc game but it was also on microcomputer which was a thing yeah. that was way bigger outside of america in like europe and uh places like japan and a lot of the stuff in Slayers just, like, gives me that vibe. It's it's very combat-heavy. It's one of the things that reminds me a lot of modern light novels, is there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of, like, I'll use this ability. Oh, no, I, my ability to use this ability is limited by a thing. How are we going to get out of this one? <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to be annoyed by that. <laughs> uh, you usually are. Slayers gets a pass. I normally am, and... Slayers got to past because, one, I like Slayers already. I'm coming from Slayers from, like, I liked the anime, and I, I watched the anime, and I had never read the light novels until we did it for this show, and it's just begging to be animated. It's begging yeah. to have someone fill in the little building blocks of, well, when we do this, it's, it's much more fun to watch than describe, which isn't to say that I dislike this at all, but... It has that, the, the age-old, apparently, light novel issue of we're going to describe the characters doing things that would be visually represented in something like a video game or an anime. It, that's exactly what it reads like. It reads like characters around the table playing D&D saying, and I rolled a 20 and I did this thing, or I rolled a 10 and I attempted to do this, but the guy I was fighting rolled a 15, so he blocked it. Oh no, what am I gonna do? I tried to use Featherfall. Oh no, wait, something's blocking magic in this room. Can you figure it out? Yeah, it's all that. It's so much like tabletop RPGs. And I'm sure like Wizardry is a direct like influence on it because it's a direct influence on everything. Yeah, that's what I kept thinking of reading this. Definitely for like tabletop people who were really, really invested in what was at the time a very niche hobby. Yeah, I mean, like we know that is a thing that a lot of creatives uh, were involved in in this period of time where a, this is where a lot of fantasy stuff comes from. This is where Lotus come from, right? Like, yeah, or like Dragon Quest as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's like the people that were into this niche took that niche and used it in this stuff. And it just ends up with that kind of goofy format as a result of it. And Slayers gets a little better at being focused, I think, as the series goes on. But it never really loses that kind of pacing to its combat, I don't think. It uses like that tabletop RPG, you go around in a circle way of combat kind of really the whole time. 
Well, it's one of the things that's pretty interesting about it, and a lot of the night novels that we read are explicitly based on video game mechanics and are a lot more mechanics heavy. There are a lot more what what I call systemsy. Video games have a lot of systems to them, especially RPGs that have like a bunch of different things you have to understand. The Atelier series, for example, lots and lots and lots of systems, lots of things to do in that game, and the more modern light novel are resplendent in describing all of the different bespoke <laughs> systems of the yeah. cosmic video gotta, game. You gotta meet word count. In. Yeah. Well, that's another area where Slayers reminds me of a very modern light novel is having this kind of runaway success and it being really, really popular and the author being like, oh shit, I have to... <laughs> gotta <laughs> oh, crank these man, out now. I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, gotta, gotta pump out some more Slayers novels. So, Pat, you read ahead, right? Like, how much different does it get from Volume 3 on compared to the beginning? Because it does feel like we're still in the phase of figuring out the format of the story and, I suppose, like, the natural progression of events. Uh, It gets much more, I would say, focused once you get past Volume 2. And really, once you get to, like, Volume... uh, When is it? 3 or 4... Well, five, I guess, actually. Now I'm, like, looking at the um, the recaps. <laughs> I would say, like, once you get to volume four, it's like, a lot of the thing with the early volumes of Slayers is, is it, it's like, so it's like a D&D game with two players, and everyone else is either, like, their friends that have joined for a, for a round. Like in volume one, that would be Zelgatus. In volume two, it's Lance. And, like, there's not, like, a lot of focus on this character. In Volume 3, it's Sylphiel. But then once you get to Volume 4, that's when, like, the, the party starts to, like, solidify a little more. Or, well, I guess Volume 3 and Volume 4, like, it starts to, like, solidify. Zelgatis comes back, and then Amelia joins the party. Volume 4, and it's like, okay, so now you've got a group of four characters that you're going to follow around the whole time. And it feels a little more connected at that point. And it's also yeah. by the time you get to Volume 4, it's when, like, the big overarching story of kind of, like, the first, I think it's, like, nine books really hooks in. Yeah, it sounds like it just becomes more well-rounded at that point, because I felt that that was maybe something, not necessarily that was missing in here in Volume 2, but it did seem a bit light, to just be falling around only two characters i felt like we either we just need like one more or two more but because of the way that the plot ends up you know just like shaking out on on this story uh yeah we could just do it with like the two characters plus like a guest character that is only jumping in for this storyline and like i i went and double checked because i couldn't remember this story doesn't get adapted until slayers next the second season of the uh anime like the volume two story they completely skipped it in the original anime or the first season and they reformat the order of events in the anime too to specifically get zelgatis and amelia into the party way earlier than they are in the books because by the time the anime, there had been seven or eight volumes of the books by the time the anime started. The party had been firmly established at that point. It's been a while since I watched Slayers, and I was actually trying to think, like, wait, wasn't wasn't Zelgaris and Amelia here for this one? I was, I should have gone back and checked, because I was trying to figure out... Just waiting for them to show up, and then the <laughs> story ends, yeah. like, wait, what?! They skip this story completely, and then they move volume, 
volume three ends up being like the big plot of uh the first half of the anime and they move that back specifically so they can put emilia in it basically because she's so um popular and i think like once you have those four characters together it feels a lot more like focused and like what you want it to be Especially if you're coming from the anime, you're like, oh, this is the series I thought I was looking for. Well, that's a party as well. Like, that's an RPG party, full characters with different jobs. Yeah, exactly. Mm, yes, yes. That's what we're all used to now, after decades of seeing that exact format. Yeah, two characters is not a proper RPG party. I like Lance the little bit that he's around, which is this book and the next one, I think. Because it's just like a stupid mercenary guy. Stupid and like kisses Gowrie's butt because of how strong Gowrie is. Which I like that dynamic. That only came up for a little while where it's like, Lance, because of the way that he is, it's like super aggressive with everybody. But then once he sees Gowrie's skills, he's like, oh, Gowrie Aniki, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. Another classic RPG trope. Yeah. Yakuza is an RPG, right? Yeah. What? What is sorry? Ryu ga Gotoku. Oh, Ryu ga Gotoku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I. I think that's an RPG. Everything's an RPG. <laughs> uh, let's not. Let's not have that argument. Let's, I know this is a this is a '90s book. Let's not have that argument again. I think yeah. we can. We owe it to our audience to not relitigate that one. <laughs> It gets pretty violent in the second half. Yeah, it does. It's uh, that it was that was shocking. <laughs> I didn't think I'd like be surprised by the contents of any light novel at this point because we've read so many of them. Mm. Yeah, wow, that was like uh, pretty pretty gory. It has a lot more meaningful, purposeful violence than a lot of the light novels that we read as well. Like characters, they fight and they get tired and they get injured and it there's like a big fight between house of form. Are you talking about the um the fight in the gargoyle room? Yeah. Yeah, it was like I think he like he eats a demon or something like that and so now his body is starting to like transform in a way like he can use yeah. demon powers there's a, there's a lot of body stuff going on because part of the reveal is that house form is of course behind everything and what he was studying was eternal life that was like one of the major details that was being hidden away from this adventuring party that was like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, I guess we'll, we'll just kick around here for a little bit, see what's going on. But they dug in too deep and they've discovered that the major player of this council of magic users has been delving into some rather forbidden arts. Part of, uh, part of the deal is that he has made a deal with demons, which is incredibly bad he has sealed away his soul in some sort of object and part of that second half is lena and gory trying to like find out where where his soul is where is this where's this rock that's holding a house of form soul because otherwise he can't die he gets skewered a whole bunch he gets like fireballed and everything but he just keeps on doing his thing I think that whole reveal is really good and really creepy. Mm. Him sealed away and they let him go thinking he's the he's the victim. Mm -hmm. And then the reality sets in and it's like really creepy and scary for a moment. Yeah. And it's like, it oh, this bit, is... It was a bit torture princess. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to compare it to torture princess as well. Yeah. It is the moment where shit gets real. It is the moment where like this 
fairly standard plot about this weird internecine conflict becomes way more dangerous for mm. the characters. Yeah, that's um that it still it still feels very much in the spirit of like old like those old RPG books uh that have to like describe what manner of dark rituals and things, you know, exist in this world and part of it is transforming people into like flesh beasts. You know, really, really goopy and snaky and lots of tendrils and stuff, you know, like just not, not, uh, not a real pleasant thing to look at. A torch that Torture Princess would pick up in the years after. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about a lot of the RPG models that were popular in this period is that they were basically death traps. They were basically monster pits that were designed to fail you and make you start over and kill your character they weren't necessarily designed for you and your party to have a very fun night going through them and trying all and doing all the puzzles and figuring it all out they were basically just meant to kill you like straight up tomb of horrors specifically is famous for being not like difficult difficult but unfair you go up if you press there's like uh i'm i'm not very familiar with it so this is a made-up example but there's two buttons and if you press one of the buttons it'll open the door and if you press the other one it'll just kill you and there's no indication and it's way worse than the example that i made up but yeah because like we're missing like all like the really all the all the finer details like okay what manner do you die in you know like what where are you skewered in how long are you alive i think that's like part of the sick and twisted glee of maybe some of the people that are writing this stuff where it's like okay let's just invent a bunch of terrible fates for the people that are going to be experiencing this which is you know that that, that, that sort of thing comes up in slayers volume 2 by the second half I can absolutely imagine sitting down with your gaming group in the early 90s and all of a sudden you're doing the exact same thing that you read about in that week's chapter of Slayers. <laughs> so as a newcomer to Slayers, David, you weren't familiar mm. with it beyond having to read it for this show. Mm-hmm. You seem like you enjoyed it a lot. I know you're also really into the old school JRPGs and stuff that this is drawing from. I mean, I was like a bit, my attention was like super scattered this week. So like I made it through the book like bit by bit, but I do, I do enjoy like the, I guess like the mood, right? Like it's different. Something written between 80, the the late eighties and into the early nineties, that's like, it's it's just it's not it's not the same as like you know when people were writing light novels after like 2010 and it's like it's just so informed with the world then and here i think it's like it's like it's just it's more focused in on that world itself like the that world inside the creator's head right uh, i don't know i don't know how i describe it outside of just like i think that like the atmosphere of it it feels it yeah it does it like does feel like it goes all in on its setting like the whole fantasy setting as you know as opposed to like you know other stuff where it's like okay we're gonna break from this setting to give you like some elements that you are might be familiar with where it's like oh now it's just like it looks like we're doing menus in a video game like there's not really that break to yeah. do that sort of thing like that we see in other light novels because a lot of other light novels are like oh you are literally trapped in a video game there's no papering over that 
And even like when it is like a light novel where they aren't trapped in a video game, it uses a lot of video game language anyway, yeah. menus and leveling and stuff. Whereas like, yeah, something yeah. like this is so tied into like old school tabletop style gaming and like that style of fantasy that it's really grounded in its own world. And it doesn't mm-hmm. really, it doesn't break that. Like mm-hmm. the only, the only thing it does is it like Lena is your narrator and you get like goofy little, you know, asides from her. But beyond that, it's like it is in its world and it never feels yeah. like it stops being in that world. Okay, so what it, what it is, is like Lena isn't like complaining. Where it's like, God, I wish I there was like a McDonald's around here. Like, no, they just go to taverns, right? They they drink too much and then they have to pay for that the next day. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's part of the setting, right? It's like you don't miss cell phones. You don't, you know, you don't miss the conveniences of getting on like a train and going into another town. This is the world that they know. So when they complain, it's going to be about stuff like, damn, my expensive turtle shell pauldrons. Now I have to like use these crappy leather ones. It's like that. They have, they can have problems, right? It's like, that's the advantage of creating a world, right? They have their own problems. And then when they complain about their problems, we can think about our own problems. And then we can think like, oh, well, that's relatable because I complain about, you know, having to like replace this thing all the time. It doesn't have to be like a direct, like one-to-one. Like I don't have to like identify with a character from my world being in here in this situation. It does trust its audience a lot more yeah. than a lot of modern light novels tend to. Yeah. It really doesn't feel that it needs to explain every little bit. Like, the tone in these is just, it's so strong. And then the thing that it does have over the anime, I said earlier that it felt like it was the basis for a really solid anime adaptation. What it has that's a lot better than any of the adaptations is that, like you said, it's told from Lena's perspective. And she's a really fun character. You love spending time with her and seeing what her opinion on the world is Mm. and seeing everything from her perspective perspective her silly like asides about how stupid gallery is are always really fun do you remember that classic anime gag where a character would do something dumb and then like this like the straight man response is to like have like that exaggerated like face plant into the ground yeah yeah Yeah. like that's in this book and like wow I, like, remember this. Whatever <laughs> happened to this bit? This is, like, such a classic bit. And it's like, well, you know, the times changed and that bit got left behind. But it's good It's good to revisit, the, like, the classics from time to time. Mm. It's a good bit. You can definitely see why not only was there an empire of light novels built out of this, but people looked at this and said, okay, here's, here's what we should all be doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> here's the model for this particular type of pop culture going forward. Yeah. And I mean, I like some of the modern stuff that's come out, like min-maxing my TRPG skills in another world, which, like, I liked that one, but then Inaki was all, like, mm, indifferent, bordering on dislike. Yeah, I mean, we can revisit it. It had the Mesugaki Spider, which is yeah, really just... Modern, the modern elements, the classic elements. Like, the thing is, like, it did get bogged down in, like, all the, all the menuing, mm. which, like, I'm fine with. Like, I don't know, <laughs> that doesn't phase me. <laughs> that's the stuff that like makes me like gloss my eyes over and not care anymore because <laughs> i just like don't need you to describe the menus or whatever but they're such good menus i'm sure that there's a light novel out there that is 
trapped in From Software's Soulsborne games, including Elden Ring for you, David. I'm sure that they would describe the extent of the menuing in the light novel that's just legally distinct for copyright yeah. purposes from Software's Dark Souls. Yeah, I mean, like, because, like, a lot of light novels are just direct ripoffs of stuff like Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy and all yeah. that, right? So why not just create a light novel that is a direct ripoff of something that else that is, like, pretty pretty popular now, right? And the characteristics sure it of it, right? Like, you know, you die and then you have to do it over again and then you die and then you have to do it over again. Bookworms, if you know that there is a light novel based on Dark Souls, either explicitly or implicitly, please let us yeah. know. Because we, that I, we have to read it. Attention. We have to read it. We have to read it. We have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So Slayers Volume 2. Yeah, that ends like it ends like so abruptly. I was not prepared for it. Like the epilogue, I think, is a page long. Yeah, it's just like, all right, time to move on. Like they just drop in the clue for where the story is going to go next. And yeah, peace out. See ya. That's it. We'll see you next issue of Dragon Magazine where you can <laughs> see what's up, what they're up to next. <laughs> I did get to the end of this, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's the end. Mm. It did feel like it could keep going. Them defeating Halciform was, it's that sort of thing, like that bittersweet ending where in the end, the bad guy sees the light and realizes what he's done wrong. I guess he he just like fades away in like a cloud of dust or something and light particles or whatever, you know, that sort of classic ending, right, for like you know, just some random episode of anime where it's like, oh, no, it's like it was, everything was just a big old misunderstanding. But that, that that's actually just the end. And then immediately after that is Lena and Gori packing up to get the heck out of the place because they, they just finished their task there. Yeah. I felt a little Time bit bad for on. Talim. Like that was maybe I think I, I was surprised like how like Talim is like maybe the, like the least agreeable character in the beginning. And then like he's actually the one who gets a gets a moment there at the end like i think it's a little bit more earned than any of the other characters who seemed like you know they had like turn like turn things around because his fate was pretty gruesome he just becomes a head in a in a jar and the way that he described this fate was like oh every moment that he lives is agony and then what he does is he saves lena's life somehow it's like wow okay but that's like that's like a minor bit of writing in there. That was like that's not even really like the whole crucial thing that we were leading up to, which is House of Worms relationship with his Okay, how do we describe this? Like lover, caretaker, what Rubia she like just kind of <laughs> showed up. Like she was like a little bit lost in the shuffle yeah, there. Yeah. She's like his uh former lover that died that he mm -hmm. turned into like a homunculus basically to bring her back to life which i think is supposed to be his motivation for his obsession with like eternal yeah. life yeah and it seemed like he did a pretty good job of making a, homuncul a homunculus that wasn't like just like a bald like buff macho like mob type of character right like completely yeah. featureless except for his massive muscles but yeah like she shows up in like that sort of classic cliche where it's like she shows up in a, in a crowd and she gives this like ominous warning and then she vanishes for dozens and dozens of pages before coming back and yeah like that relationship between her and house of form is established while 
uh, the characters are running and fighting and evading all kinds of d- danger while also figuring out new stuff that was happening with all these other characters. That stuff felt a little light, especially just because like that is, in fact, the scene that we're going to end on. Like, I think that might have deserved a little bit more attention. But yeah, I mean, you know what? Hey, like, that's also a very exciting D&D. story. Yeah. <laughs> but for getting a character until like the very end, it's like, ah, crap. Yeah. <laughs> Or like putting them in and like, okay, my characters are going to, they're going to want to question this one. They're going to be like, oh, what's her deal? Let's, let's try and figure this one out. And then they just ignore it. Yeah. That's like a classic pitfall of storytelling, isn't it? Just having a character (laughs) that in your head is so important. And then like, you've already got some whiffs of narrative in your head, but then you actually forget to like put it out there. It's like, oh, well, uh, we hit 150 pages. So I guess, uh, yeah, here we go. That's it. Going to wrap it up real tight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> final thoughts i fucking love slayers man <laughs> it's good a lot of the time we come back to these light novels and any game is book club but club is not crash where we go about when we look at volume two it's just nice to be back with lena and gallery it, it just is and it's a really interesting window into a very different time. It occupies this interesting position where it feels very different to modern light novels, but it also feels a lot like modern light novels. If this came out in the past couple of years, I don't think you would be able to tell. <laughs> it it slipped in with a lot of those really, really easily. And it's it's just fun. Sometimes something's classic and beloved for a reason. And watching Lena run around with Gary, who is dumb as a post, it's just it's good, clean, honest fun. It's exactly what you want out of a light novel. I'm glad we got to revisit it, and I'm glad we got to revisit it with Pat. Yeah, yeah, Pat, welcome back. We didn't did we say welcome back? I'm saying welcome back now. Welcome back, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) Now that it's nearly over. (laughs) Thank you. I'm happy to be back and talking about Slayers, because I love Slayers. It's a lot of fun. I love Lena and Gowrie a lot. The early volumes are kind of messy, but I still, like, love those characters. So, any chance to spend time with them is welcome. It's definitely earned being messy. It's earned its place in history. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I love them. Shout out to Jay Novel for rescuing them from the Tokyo Pop dungeon and letting us all have Slayers once again. The whole series. The whole damn thing. The whole thing has been translated at this point. Now all we have to do is uh, demand that they go and uh, translate all of, what is it, Slayers Extra. Or Special, sorry. Slayers Special. There's like 30 books in that series. So that's what we need now. That's the... The prequel series about Lena and Naga. Yeah, Naga who is ages away from debuting in the books. Yeah, and like only ever appears in the uh in the movies in the anime. She she doesn't appear in the TV show ever. What about you, David? Did you enjoy sitting down on our old man bench and reminiscing <laughs> with us? <laughs> yeah, would it be it's not unfair to call it like a boomer light novel, right? No, no. Yeah predates so much stuff yeah i guess i also want to reiterate like shout out to jade novel for picking this up because i think it's always a little bit scary i think to like pick up an old series and wonder like oh well are people 
actually interested in this or is it going to be a situation where it's like just 12 really vocal people on twitter that are always like harassing people to like hey hey are you going to bring this back are you going to bring this back i guess i'll be interested in reading volume three in like one or two years however long it takes us to (laughs) get back uh to revisit this i'm glad you found a lot to like about slayers it is uh, yeah classic for a reason but there's more classic light novels out there. David Estrella, my uh-huh. dear, dear friend. Uh-huh. Beautiful man. Yeah. What are we doing next? Oh, we're going to revisit Spice and Wolf. This is, uh, this is one that I like, and Inaki not so much. But let's see if we can turn that opinion around. Spice and Wolf is super good. I love Spice and Wolf. Yeah. I'm sure Hollow the, wi- the Wise Wolf? Wild Wolf? Wise wise wolf i'm sure hollow the wise wolf will grow on me exponentially i'm sure i will begin to love this series as much as you guys with the second volume (laughs) all right so it is that time once again do you guys know what time it is i know what time it is what time is it it's time for recommendations corner yeah we recommend something that is not a light novel that we think you should check out that we've been enjoying recently who wants to go first Pat, you're our guest. Why don't you take the reins? Yeah, sure. I'm not going to just sit recommend Zelda, even though that's what's occupied. <laughs> <laughs> I played it for like so, 10 hours yesterday, I think. It was raining and I didn't have anything to do, and I just sunk into the couch and played. Uh, first time I've done that in a very long time. The thing I'm going to recommend, though, and there's... There are currently two chapters of this manga out, one of which came out during the recording of this show, so I have not read it yet. But there's this new comic on Manga Plus called My Girlfriend Gives Me the Goosebumps. And I've only read the first chapter, and the first chapter reads like a really good pitch, and I'm very curious to see if it actually goes anywhere well from that pitch. But it's basically like about a like a high school boy who is kind of an adrenaline junkie, but he doesn't know, he doesn't have a good output for a good way to get his adrenaline because, like, he got hooked on it from falling off a balcony when he was a child, and now he's, like, obsessed with finding ways to get his heart racing. So he, like, plays tons of sports and watches a ton of horror movies, basically. Tell him the punchline. And the punchline is that he starts dating, uh, basically to find a, to get that high, he starts dating a Yandere girl. Like, he bumps into her, getting bullied, and saves her, and then, like, the whole chapter's like, she just coincidentally starts showing up places. He's like, oh shit, he, this could be good for me, specifically, so he starts dating her, basically, he asks her out. You are the third or fourth person to recommend that to me. I'm I'm sensing that it, if they can keep up with the quality of the first couple of chapters, I think that that might be the next big thing. But the first chapter is a great pitch for a thing, and it's a very hard thing to follow up on. So we'll see if it actually does. I love a good high school rom com. Yeah, to be perfectly honest with you, so. I, I might check out My Girlfriend Gives Me Goosebumps myself. David Estrella, what have you been enjoying recently? What can you recommend to our beloved audience? So I have books in my backlog, and there's stuff that's been in my backlog for like maybe decades or so. Okay, so I guess like a little bit of context. A million years ago, there was this anime called From the New World, Shinsekai Yori. 
And that was a real cool anime that I think maybe 10 people remember these days. But it had the fame of being an adaptation of a novel by this Japanese author named Yusuke Kishi. And he's only had one book out in English. And that is The Crimson La uh, Labyrinth, published by Vertical when Vertical existed long time ago. It flopped and nobody ever got the From the New World book because it was going to be really long and probably not worth the time. But Crimson Labyrinth came out. And I remember when the anime was popular, the book was already out of print and it was like $80 on eBay or something like that. Uh, so I checked and now it's like $8. So I picked it up and... I held on to it forever. It was like, yeah, I can't wait to read this. And I was like, just didn't read it. I actually read it this week and it, um, it wasn't what I expected. It's kind of like a old school survival story in like the vein of something like Deadliest Game. If you remember that, I don't want to just say like, oh, you know, it's like Battle Royale or Squid Games or whatever, but it, it, it is in a way like a bunch of people get plucked out from society and thrown into this really hostile environment and they all have okay so this is where it's going to date itself they all have game boys with them like game boy cool. like like game boy pockets and they receive all of I their they pocket. all receive their instructions via these game cartridges as to like what to do in the game it really reminded me of like a lot of the details that i liked in from the new world where a lot of it is just peeling back the layers of the world that they are now in it's definitely on like a much smaller scale but i think a lot of those uh, themes that the author was uh looking into in that well, in that anime adaptation that I saw was like, I just, I saw it back in this book. And I'm like, wow, I remember when I was like really into this sort of thing where it's like, you know, digging into like actually literally digging into the world, being like completely out of the element and sort of like changing yourself. But then you have like, you can change for the better or you can change for the worse. And, you know, like who, what, what, like, you know, who's like the real monster in here? And it's like, it has like a really dissatisfying ending, um, <laughs> but I think it, I think it was worth the time. It's like just like it's a it's a pretty breezy read. It's got like all like the cheap thrills that I could have wanted from something like this. It's like yeah, it's got it's something that you got to be in the mood for. I think mysterious, thrilling, and doesn't really shy away from the you know like the the dark nature of humanity or something you know stuff like that and i think the setting would actually really amuse you inaki once the layers yeah. have been peeled back far enough it's uh, <laughs> you would you would have a good laugh i had a, i had a great laugh when i figured out the truth of everything and i think you would too but unfortunately the book is out of print and now that i'm talking about it i'm gonna make it like really out of print like people are just going to be it's gonna be a gold rush for yeah it. people are definitely gonna gonna be looking for it but yeah it's a you know it's a shame about what happened to verticals intent on being like the you know like the premier japanese novel publisher because they picked up a bunch of stuff i think they picked up like this um the ring some other horror stuff but what people wanted was like left field manga and you know that's eventually what denpa would would become right that that become the home for that sort of manga so you know good stuff came out of it but unfortunately this is one of those like failed experiments but hey i got one book out of it that i can read in english unfortunately there's a bunch of other stuff that's only in japanese uh you know i guess that's just um 
another excuse to throw onto the pile of reasons to learn Japanese, right? Yeah, you should come learn Japanese and we can chat to one another in Japanese instead of English and it'll be weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Both of you sound really unenthused by the, that prospect. It's hard. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. It, it, is, it, is it not may not happen yeah. within my lifetime. Well, it better happen within your lifetime because there's no other way it could happen. <sighs> as as for me, who boy, I got I got one of my next attitude recommendations that's like, well, should you really check this out? I read Eat a Peach, the autobiography of David Chang, the restaurateur and guy behind the Momofuku restaurant group. Oh, holy shit. I don't even know where to start with this one. I sh- I should have my own fucking podcast where I go into detail about this goddamn David Chang book. So I already didn't really like David Chang, and I finished this book, and I, like, I really didn't like him. It's so peculiar that there is some absolutely heart-rending stuff in it, and some poignant, well-thought-out, trenchant insights about our relationship to food and the importance of it and the problems with it next to some utter drivel it's it's like for context i got this as a gift at like one in the afternoon and i was done with it by like five or six like i just it was a complete page turner i couldn't put it down and at the end of it i wanted to punch david chang in the face so damn badly i uh, why why like, is food so dramatic? Why is why is why, is, why so does dramatic? why does food ask David Chang that? Why does why does food feel like it could like raise and fell entire empires? What is wrong with you food guys? <laughs> What's wrong with us food guys is we gave David Chang too much attention. Like there's a level of successful you can be where everyone in your life just turns into like a yes person who won't tell you no and David Chang is famously a rage monster. He'll fly off the handle at the slightest provocation and yell and scream until he's blue in the face. And I think that's probably goes into nobody being like, don't put this out there, don't don't do this. Like someone in his brigade, like like one of his kitchen employees committed suicide because he hated the working conditions at Momofuku and David Chang's response to that is to like write two paragraphs of like how he really feels and the socially acceptable thing to say and then like strike through the socially acceptable thing to say so you could still read it, but also leaving his his actual emotions and like, and that will be contrasted with, oh, oh, I love my son. Oh, if anything ever happened to my son, I'd be devastated. It it put renewed faith in the world in me, and I'm like, did you not think about that when you were screaming at your employee? Like, so much of it is in it is just obvious lies. Like, oh, no one knew what ramen was in New York before me oh i used to get pappy van winkle for 15 bucks a bottle because nobody had caught on to it yet and i just i i am just in awe 
of this book. I can't stop thinking about mm. it. I couldn't put it down. It was a complete page turner. There's a whole chapter on how he loves getting feedback and he takes all of it and it turns him into a better person. And then he there's a chapter further on about how he got with some like lifestyle self-help guru who forced him to listen to other people and take criticism. And it's like, which is it, David Chang? Huh, crikey. I, yeah. If you really, really want to get into the mind of someone who needs some medical help, go read Eat a Peach by David Chang. Really, there's some really powerful stuff in it. There's some stuff in it that just really spoke to me about why food is important and the place that it has in our society and the role that it plays in our lives and some stuff that just made me want to break a wine glass into my fist and shove it into my hand. Whew. Oh man. I think I think we were just missing some like keyboard smashes in the background while you're doing that. Yeah. Uh, keyboards are expensive, man. I <laughs> Anyway, thank you for putting up with us, or with me, once again, Book Club. Pat, where can people catch you? What have you got going on? Uh, not a lot going on for me. Just keep an eye on Anagamers. I show up places. That's all I got. Excellent stuff. Follow me on Twitter, at Wire. David and I do lots of cool stuff together, both with Anagamers and separately. Um, you can check out our Twitch stream, twitch.tv forward slash bean streaming on weekends currently we're playing through persona 5 i recently put out another edition of my mixtape um recently ish this one kind of came at the end of last summer and it was all kinds of mellow chilled <laughs> not really the, all that mellow and all that chill but it was about the experience of living through hot summers it's called that air conditioner has never worked and you can find it if you follow me on twitter which is cool. You can support us on Patreon as well. Patreon.com forward slash AnnieGamers. If you have money burning a hole in a pocket. But even if you don't contribute to the Patreon. Very genuinely, sincerely thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. This is a labor of love for us. And it really means a lot to us. That we have found people who want to listen to it. And, and a community. Yeah. <laughs> thank you Pat. David. I think there's only just one thing left to do. Mm. And what is that? We got to tell the audience that they're valid. Mm. You said. You are valid, and we hope that you stay valid. Until the next time. Stay valid, everyone. See you next time for Spice and Wolf. Say bye, Pat. Bye. No, say stay valid. Stay valid. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, we dragged that one out, but it's done. Right.